I'm Stan Lee. I've been writing stories for the young generation for the past 30 years. During this time, I think I've learned a lot about what young people think. More importantly, I think I've learned a lot about what young people are. We're going to try to present a voice that somebody will listen to. The voice is needed. We hope it will be ours. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very sad Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am joined by my two usual co-hosts, Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. And Scott H. Gardner. Hello. And hello. And we are sad today because one of our lifetime heroes is passed and is no longer with us. The great Stan Lee passed away this week, and it's, I have to tell you, it hit me harder than I thought it was going to. It's something, I keep seeing posts about it, and people keep saying, I knew this day had to be coming soon because he was 95 years old, Mm -hmm. but it didn't dull the impact of the blow at all and i gotta say it's almost universal because i think everybody feels exactly the same way now i I, i'd be curious to hear you know how you guys heard the news or what but right after i heard the news um I, i was at work and it was just like a stunned silence you know at the at the headquarters and everything and uh Everybody was really talking about it, which really surprised me because it wasn't just, you know, the usual gang of, of comic nerds or Marvel movie nerds or any. It was pretty much everybody there. And well, I was most part, Stan transcended kinda, geekhood. Yeah, he, he really did. And, and I was kind of waiting for, you know, for somebody in the room to be like, who's Stan Lee? But nobody did. And that really that really kind of surprised me. But it also made me very happy. But we were talking, and and I had you know commented at one point that you know I would be perfectly happy if every once in a while God gave a pass to certain people. I remember feeling much the same way when George Burns died. It's like George Burns was never supposed to die. That guy was supposed to just go on forever. And I kind of felt the same way about Stan Lee. I mean. So there was a certain part of me that was like, well, you know, okay, you know, he was 95 and, you know, we knew this was coming. But there was also a, there's a much bigger part of me that's like, this really sucks because, you know, he, he shouldn't, he shouldn't ever die. You know, he, he, he's always been there. He, he should always be there. So, yeah, I I know exactly what you mean about, you know, hitting you harder than, than you thought it might. Because, yeah, this was a tough one. This was a really tough one. I have to tell you, and I'm not going to say it's in the same ballpark as it, because it's not, but having lost my parents, both of them within the last 14 months, uh, it just feels like like I had an open wound on me already, and I just, right. and it's, you know, I mean, I'm not equivocating Stan with my parents, don't get me wrong, but just, there's there's some of the same feeling of I just thought he would be around forever. Right. Yeah, you'd kind of just, it's, uh, 
something that's always there and it kind of gives you comfort. Um, I saw the news. Uh, I don't remember what I saw it on. I might, might have been just a news site or something, and it said Stanley dead. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I clicked on it, and it was from TMZ. So now I'm 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 even more dubious. I'm like TMZ. Uh, I don't know about this. And then I looked at somewhere else, and there was a link from uh, from N- NBC. And I was like, oh wow, All right. yeah, I guess this really has happened. And I, I was just a little depressed. I was on vacation this week, so, you know, I, I just kind of, and I've been in the process of sorting some comics and stuff, so it just kind of, you know, it uh, it brought me down, and, and, and Ben had te- texted, um, I guess Ben had heard about it at school, and he te- texted my wife and said, oh, you know, Stan Lee p- passed away, and so even, even my son was, was aware, he, even in high school, you know, he was in school, so even there... Mm. You know, a younger generation has a little bit of um, admiration or acknowledgement. Oh, I think so. I, I definitely think so. I think the cameos in the movies oh, uh, but yes, yeah. made, made the younger generation much more aware of him. I think the cameos in the movies made the current young generation aware of him. The introductions he did for cartoons made the generation just older than that aware of him and the comic books themselves made our generation aware of him uh, and right. i think he he was almost universally known it's it's funny around here well first of all just i found out i was in my in my office and one of my friends from work came in and i was sitting at my desk and he was like oh good you're sitting down and he told me and, and i said you know not joking around i'm glad i was sitting down when you told me because it, it floored me a little bit uh it, it, I, I was genuinely distressed by it and uh there's a, a popular sports radio host in new york named mike francesa and he's 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 popular but he's also very well known as being kind of pompous and and uh you know very very egocentric and some guy called him up and it's, it's making the rounds now and said oh you know i heard stan lee died i'm wondering if you ever met him if you know of him or anything so, so his, his response was who's stan lee so the guy says oh he created spider-man so who, who cares I, I was just so callous that it really bothered me. Wow. And, and it's just, you know, like, and then he, he went on about, you know, I never read comic books. When I was when I was a kid, I just, you know, I, I used to read the newspaper and read sports even then. I was like, well, you know what, then just shut the f*** up. I, I don't want to hear who cares. <laughs> right. You know, you don't care, that's fine. But, but, you know, don't belittle other people for caring. It, it really, I found it just very, very irksome. I, uh, when I'm working, you know, I'm out on the road all day and we, we play music that's, you know, I, I guess you would say closed circuited. It's, it's within the vehicle. So it's not like coming through the radio or anything like that. Uh, so for all intents and purposes, I'm like, I'm cut off, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, dealing with, you know, the, the riders and everything. And, and that's about it. So unless, somebody you know has has been privy to the news and mentions it to me i don't know what's going on in the world at all until you know either i go to lunch or or at the end of the day so you know i had a really good shift and everything was going all right and everything and i went back to you know turn in my car and turn in my paperwork and everything and and head home and i walked in and uh, a young lady that i work with um she came walking up to me and she goes are you okay and i'm like yeah yeah i'm fine how are you you know and uh she goes, oh, you haven't heard. And I thought, oh, no. And I was like, what? And she goes, 
Stan Lee died, and she she was tearing up. I could see she was like really moved by this and everything. And I'm like, no. And she's like, no, yeah, it's it's true. I'm like, oh no. She goes, you haven't, you know, you didn't hear, you haven't been on the. I was like, well, I've been, you know, I've been out working, I've been out in the car, and and I said, you know, is it really true, or is you know, because there's been so many of these celebrity hoax things that have gone around lately. Like I totally fell for the one with. Um, Darth Vader there, uh, James Earl Jones a while back, to a point where I didn't realize they ever, you know, for the longest time, I didn't know that it was a hoax for like a, like the, the, over a year. I thought he was really dead, you know? But anyway, you know, I really was, you know, hoping against hope that it was just, you know, some jerk had, you know, put something out there or whatever, but, you know, one, one second of pulling up Facebook and that's like all it was. And I was like, oh, man. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that it's really, I mean, it's bummed me out, but I don't know that it's really completely hit me yet. I think I'm going to be just that much more, you know, depressed about the whole thing when it really hits me, you know? But, yeah. I, you know, in a, in a weird sort of way, I, you know, I don't think you're far off with, you know, equating his death to, you know, to losing a parent. Because, I mean, in a weird kind of way, I mean... I don't want to, you know, be super maudlin and be like, well, he was a father to us all. But you know what I mean? I mean, he, he's he's uh, he's been a huge influence you know, for comic geeks like us, especially you know, huge Marvel fans. I mean, the guy was he was ever present, you know, mm -hmm. and and he predates us. And he, you know, he is the founder of this universe of characters that we have followed. And I mean. I don't think it's exaggerating to say that, you know, these characters have had a huge impact in our lives. You know, they they speak to us and we follow their adventures and, and to a certain degree, you know, they set a model for, you know, the types of people that we hope to grow up to be, you know, as, you know, heroic, good, decent people that do the right thing, you know, and role models. And, you know, so I, I don't think there's there's any underestimating that impact you know what i mean i think in a lot of ways that's as impactful as a parent's upbringing you know the influence your heroes have on your life and this guy's directly responsible for those heroes you know and and the models that they set so yeah i i you know it, it really is uh, a hell of a blow yeah i mean Again, uh, it's, you know, it's not the Stan didn't have the same influence on my life that my parents did, obviously. And, you know, there wasn't the same relationship. Uh, but when you think about his creations and how much his creations have been in my life since, I don't know, I was 11. And I'm, you know, I'm an old man now. Uh, to have To have that as part of my life this whole time... And to have his words resonate with me and to the point where, uh, you know, it's well known that, that those earlier books are, are by far my favorites, the, you know, the 60s and 70s. So, you know, the large majority of it is, is written by Stan. You know, it's had a tremendous influence on, on, on my life. And, and what, what I point to is it's given my life a lot of pleasure. If, if I if I tried to take all the different things that I've had for entertainment in my life, there's really no question that comic books have been the biggest thing. Probably, you know, even more so than movies and television, just because I've spent so much time over the years. Uh, and Stan was, you know, the cornerstone of that. So, you know, and I became aware of him very early, uh, you know, 
in my collecting, you know, I guess we all started collecting not too, too long after Stan stopped being the primary creator writer at Marvel. Uh, you know, he, he right. stepped down, kind of, you know, Roy Thomas was the first one to come in and take away a lot of the burden from him. And then you had the next wave with, you know, Steve Englehart and Jerry Conway and Len Wein and Marv Wolfman and all of those guys, uh, which is really when I came in during that just after Roy wave. Roy was still writing, but those other guys had already come in. So Stan really was at the point when I started collecting, he was more the master showman slash promoter than creator at that point. But I think his voice gained even greater volume in that role than it did as a creator, because as a creator, he was too busy to, to really be out there quite as much. By the time I started collecting, you know, he was doing college tours and, 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 you know, lecturing and, and going to Hollywood, trying to work out contracts for different kind of, uh, you know, projects that they were talking about doing, and, you know, he's writing Stan Soapbox and, you know, every month you're reading what he has to say in, in his in his Stanley style. And then, you know, at the same time, Origins of Marvel Comics is coming out and Son of Origins with the introductions by him. So even though he really wasn't writing the books by the time I started collecting, he was writing the books, the back issues that I was actively getting. And his voice was pretty much omnipresent. So... You know, he, he was, a, you know, he, he was a huge part of it, even though he wasn't writing them at that point. Right. And then it was 1976 when I went to the second annual Marvel, Marvel Comics convention. And Stan was, you know, the keynote speaker at that. And that was just great. You know, he got up there in front of the audience for probably about an hour, an hour and a half, just going on and on talking about his, his adventures and, uh, how you know how he did what he did and and i don't ever remember him taking single credit for anything and we'll talk more about that later i i seem to remember him giving uh you know giving a lot of credit where it was due uh but then after he spoke (coughs) excuse me after he spoke he came out and this was in one of the manhattan hotels that's where they used to hold the conventions he came out into like a lobby area by where the the ballroom that he spoke was and they had a table set up and he sat down and each person who wanted to got online and you'd bring up something for him to autograph and he would spend a minute talking to each person because it wasn't quite as insane back then as it is now i mean there were probably 100 to 150 people on the line so you know in, in a little over an hour he took care of everybody and he made everybody feel like he really honestly cared about what they were saying He'd listen to the question, he'd give it some thought, he'd give an answer, he was friendly, he was just, you know, just a wonderful person, at, at, you know, to do that. He, I, I can't think of anybody who was a better spokesman for a product or a company than Stan Lee. Right. So, you know, that, that's, I, I commented that on Facebook, that, you know, my first thought was it was a gift to make everybody feel like you knew him, but... He, I think he had a greater gift than that. I think his gift was to make everybody feel like he knew them. And I just right. think that's so special. Because when, when I met him, you know, it, it meant a lot to me. And then I, I, I remember I, ma- I mailed him, you know, a letter and everything. And he sent me back a postcard. And he wrote, you know, to my good pal, Paul Spataro, uh, you know, Excelsior, Stan Lee. 
And I still have it in a little frame down in the basement. I don't know if you guys noticed it when you were down there. Uh, but, you know, that, to me, that's so cool. That, that's and, cool. and then, you know, whatever that's it was, cool. about six years ago, and I have it as my Facebook profile picture now, uh, you know, I, I got to, they did one of the photo ops, and I, I brought Matthew, and we took a picture with him. And, you know, that was under the new circumstances. You know, they, they line everybody up. He's in the area with, you know, where they have the camera and everything. You walk in. He says hello. You stand next to him. You, take, you smile. You take a picture. You walk out. He says goodbye and you walk out. That's the extent of the conversation you could have with them. But that's because instead of a hundred people there, there were probably a thousand people there. Right. Yeah. You know, they they didn't have time to let him speak to everybody. But you oh, he, you still got the impression that he would have if he could have. And then the, the the one thing I don't know that that stayed with that stayed with me of late is at whatever he was at the time, ninety two, ninety three years old, when he guested on uh, Comic Book Men, and he was standing there talking to the guys. And then he just walked, he backed up to the counter, put his arms on the counter, and just hoisted himself up and sat up there. And I thought, that's that's just incredible. He's 92 years old and he's doing that. <laughs> and, I, and I was thinking, you know, it's one of the things that made him so beloved. He was just so full of energy. Right. You know, and, and I, I, there's just so much about him that just just made you feel special about him and made him made him feel special to you and i think that's why his legacy will just be severely missed the picture that i have with me and him and matthew i, I always said that's the picture of us and grandpa stan so so <laughs> you know we, we talk about likening him to a parent uh, you know i'm teaching matthew to call him grandpa so i guess i am likening him to a parent in in my real life too <laughs> that you you two never had the pleasure right no no. I, I never met him. Um, there was a convention. It, it had to be a MegaCon, although I couldn't. I couldn't tell you which number it was. Um, where Logan and I went to uh, a hall, where uh, he was the the speaker. It was him and um, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti was there. And the one thing I I really remember, kind of my lasting impression was. Um, just you know that that it, it, that's when it really hit me that you know geez he's, he's getting really old because he really had a tough time hearing because like everything anybody would ask him um jimmy had to repeat it back to him and basically scream it at him and uh i remember thinking about you know that at the time because i uh i always wanted to you know to meet him i always wanted to get a picture with him and all that sort of thing but i, I wanted it I, I guess i'm spoiled from you know the conventions we we went to and just happen to run into celebrities and stuff like that i always wanted it to be more organic i, I never wanted to do the the queuing up thing you know just to get you know a, a quick snap and you know two seconds with him you know that's the that's problem not was you know, that could never happen right was, yeah, I know. <laughs> in recent days he was always surrounded by an entourage of security personnel so you'd never just run into him it just wasn't right. going to happen right and i mean and that and that's not you know disparaging anybody who who did that because in a lot of ways now i'm very very you know envious of anybody that that did get that opportunity but that just I don't know. It just wasn't the way I, I wanted it to go, so I, I never did that. But seeing him, you know, seeing him live and seeing him speak and everything—I mean, you know—we were, you know, a ridiculous distance away from him. You basically needed binoculars to actually see him, but it was still cool to actually be, you know, in the same hall and listen to him speak and 
you know, answer a lot of dumb, geeky questions from everybody. I didn't, you know, we didn't ask any questions. We were just, you know, I think we were just kind of in awe, just sitting there, you know, watching him speak and everything. But that that was pretty cool. But that that was the closest I ever got. No, I I never. He was never at any cons that I went. To. I haven't really gone to that that many cons. But uh, I'm gonna I'm putting a picture in the chat right now. And mm-hmm. Ew. what? No. <laughs> It's a stand, a very young-looking stand in the seventies, <laughs> for the Pizzazz magazine. Brawny. What? He looks like the brawny guy. Yeah. Well, towels. This was the first time I had ever seen Stan Lee or had any visual <laughs> image of him. So to me, he looked like an older Burt Reynolds, because this was this was the seventies. Well, that's the picture right. you did for Playgirl magazine. Well, <laughs> so. <laughs> That was Stan Lee. That wasn't Burt Reynolds. There was so, Stan Lee. Did you didn't you see it? I posted it on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, did he do that too? Yeah, he did it. And he's got a picture of. He's got a copy of the uh, the Batman versus the Hulk trade. Oh, not trade. Right. Uh, that's Treasury right. edition covering the co- covering little Stan. Little but Stan. for years, but for years, for some reason, I always thought, and this was little kid Bill, I always thought that Stan Lee was Burt Reynolds' dad. <laughs> 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 because of you, you look at some of those seventies pictures, and he's got the hair. He, but he, he had the glasses, but he's got the cool swagger with the shirt open. He's got. The, I was like, wow, he's Burt Reynolds' dad. He has to be. Look at him. And that picture right there, <laughs> it, it, it's the, that was my first impression of Stan. Um, and I, do you guys remember the show Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Yes. Yeah. With, um, I love that show, and I love that show because Stan would give give the people the missions. And there was one episode in particular that, as I'm watching, I'm and it was one where they're supposed to recover something or prevent some stuff from being stolen or whatever. But there's a little girl in the background who's lost, and I'm watching yes, it going going. They're screwing up because they're not paying attention to this little kid. I guarantee you, she is the key to the mission and not what they think they're doing. And when and when the mission was done, basically Stan, I'm not saying he he ripped them, but for Stan he was ripping them. And he was yeah, like, yeah, I remember that. He's like, yeah. you failed, you failed. The mission was the little girl, you know. And he praised the guy, uh, the one I don't know if I think I think on one team it was like one woman and then a guy on another team. And he was like, you, you know, you passed the mission. The mission was, you know, helping those who need help. And I was, and I, I just, that, that was a great show. And it was good to see Stan on that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just sad. It, you know, it's, you know. <sighs> I, uh, I don't remember the first time I saw him. Uh, I very distinctly remember the first time I heard him, though, because for me, you oh. know, I came into comics even later than Paul. So, you know, you, you were talking about how he'd kind of moved on to, you know, the Hollywood scene and, and was a little more detached from the actual comics business. And you had the later folks come in like Roy Thomas and all that. For me, it was even you know later down the line when I started to get into to Marvel. And by that time... <clears throat> You know, Stan Lee was really, I, I guess, the best 
way you could describe it is he was he was a figurehead or, or almost like a logo. You know what I mean? Stanley so presents. He, yeah, Stanley presents, and it was on every single Marvel comic, and it and it made an impact as far as you know. You you had to see that it was on every single you know blurb for you know the opening splash of every book. You know whether it was the Avengers or Star Wars or whatever. It was always there, you know. The, it would give you the little descriptor of the comic you were about to read, and then Stanley presents, and it would give you the actual name of the book. So I knew the name from that, but in a detached kind of way. You know, it's like you know the same thing as you know you might pick up a, a Disney comic, and it's you know Walt Disney's you know such and such. So it was it was just it was a name. But where it really clicked with me was the 1980s uh, Incredible Hulk cartoon that would be on Saturday mornings. Because, you know, I was a Hulk fan. I, I liked the Hulk. And, you know, I remember, you know, the, the live action show and all that. So I was, I was into it. And I remember watching that show. And in the very first episode I watched, I'm pretty sure, was the origin episode. And it starts right out. After the, the opener, you know, they, they had a little you know, little animated opener that would start and it was, it ran maybe like 40 seconds or something. And it would just show the Hulk and, you know, the logo of the show and all that. And then when the actual episodes would start, each episode would start with Stan going, hi, this is Stan Lee or, or, you know, some typical Stan Lee greeting. And the very first time I heard that, I thought, Oh, Stan Lee. Okay. I know this guy, you know, because I knew him from his name on the kind. And then that's when it kind of clicked. Oh, he's he's a real person. You know, he's he's the guy that makes the comics that I like to read, kind of thing, and and it all kind of connected together. And I just I always thought that was really cool. I, you know, and and so watching that show every Saturday, you know, not only did I now make the association this was Stan Lee, but then you know his voice was always there, and so I remember what a you know for me what a big deal it was and a big thrill it was when he did the. Um, the Spider-Man game, the PlayStation game, in I think that was in the nineties, and he narrated that whole game. I just thought that was so cool. I mean, here's it was Stanley, and he's he's doing the whole narrative. You know, that, that, so that was always my like touchstones with him is when he got more into the the you know the the other media side of, of the comics. But I don't remember the first time. I, I off the top of my head, I'm, I'm thinking it was probably the Marvel Fumetti book. Might have been the first time. I saw like pictures of it, you know, other than illustrations, you know, like what, what Bill shared, you know, the, the, the pizzazz ad, um, right. you know, as far as actually seeing a picture of him, it was probably something like that. I'm thinking, do you remember the Fumetti book? You know what I'm talking about? I, I kind of remember it. Yes. Cause I, he I, was right on the cover of it. It was, it was the one, it was all, it was like a comic, but it was all picture. It was, you know, black and white pictures. Right. And he's on the comic of, or on the cover of the comic doing like a kind of pose, you know? <laughs> Stan was such a shy, retiring type. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but, you know, I think we'd be remiss just we're talking about our feelings about Stan effectively, but I think we'd be remiss not to talk about his legacy and just what he, what he created. It's, it's just incredible. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to start by addressing the elephant in the room right away. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it before we got on the show and you know, there's, there's, I, I don't want to go too far into it 
but you know, there's some controversy as to the creative process and who created what and who did what and who wrote what and who how it was done. And I, I, I really do think it's all overblown at this point. I think what happened, this is my take on things, I think comic books were effectively thought of as being for young kids. And Stan took that particular thought process and expanded it. He, he wrote comics that would be appreciated by young kids still, but that would be a little bit more sophisticated and be able to be appreciated by older people. If you compare what was coming out from Marvel in the 1960s, certainly it's grown a lot since then, but if you compare that to what came before it, you can see a definite very, very clear growth in the uh, maturity level of the books and the stories that they were writing. And to that extent, I think Stan pulled the artists along with him. Now, it goes the other way because the artists were coming up with a lot of very creative ideas and Stan would have to wrangle them and put them into some sort of perspective. So I, I really do think it was a collaborative process that they both the artist and the writer had a tremendous effect on things. But I think what happened is as Stan wrote for a more mature audience or tried to bring the comics to a more mature audience, he became the absolute poster boy for the company. And because of that, and because especially people like Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby were not the types to be in the public eye, Steve Ditko especially, he was basically a hermit, uh, you know, for, for his last however many years until he passed away. And and Jack Kirby, you know, just, he was more of a, just a, a regular guy. He wasn't somebody who was going to get out in front of, you know, audiences and speak if he could help it. Uh, so because of that, Stan got all the credit initially. And then I think people became aware that the artists had a lot of input into things too, especially in the Marvel method where Stan would say, hey, why don't we do a story about uh, you know, the Black Panther this month and we're going to do this and this and this. And he'd walk away and then the artist would have to you know, actually draw a book based on what Stan said. So the artist had a lot of input into the stories. But to try and now minimize Stan's contribution to it, I think is is just having the pendulum swing too far the other way. Because I, I think what happened is these guys were, I, I, you know, I'm stealing your words from when we were speaking earlier, Scott. I think they were great idea men, but I think Stan took those ideas and wrote the stories with them, and he put the dialogue in there. And I think that it's borne out when you see what Jack Kirby did on his own when he went over to DC with the New Gods. Yeah, there's great characters there and great ideas, but the books he wrote were not great. Right. He needed, he, you know, he and Stan needed each other. It was a collaborative effort. I don't want to minimize Jack's, you know, Jack's part of it, and I don't want to minimize Stan's either. I think they worked together, and it was a great team. I think Steve Ditko and, and Stan worked together, and I think there were great results. I don't think they were necessarily a great team because I think they butted heads a little too often, and I think that's why it didn't last longer. But I think they were a great team just the same. Well, they certainly had great output. Uh, you know, and then and Stan also worked. You know, in in uh, I guess the early Iron Man books, there was a lot of uh, you know Don Heck work in there, and you know, it, it, it's it's to me it's short sighted to try and just credit the artist and not Stan. It's short sighted to just credit Stan and not the artist. It it is a a medium that requires both. So right. I you know I I think you know yes, 
the artists actually, you know, absolutely deserve credit. But so does Stan. And and Stan is the one who was omnipresent. He was there for all of it. All of this Marvel stuff he was there for. You know, stuff went on with Steve Ditko when Jack wasn't there. Stuff went on with Don Heck when ja- when Jack and Steve Ditko weren't there. And and stuff went on with Gene Colan when they weren't there. You know, there's a lot of stuff that was going on with other artists. But Stan had a hand in all of it. Any thoughts, Absolutely. guys? No. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this almost from, you know, the moment that I heard the news that he was gone. And, and you know, if I could have one wish for the guy is that, you know, now that he's gone, I'd really like to see all this controversy and all the Stanley bashing. And I just want that to just, you know, just go away and, you know, let, let the guy have his fame, let him have what I feel he deserves. And just at this point, you know, all this controversy that's swirled about, you know, who did what and, and all this stuff. I mean, most of these players are dead now, you know, Stan's now gone, you know, Jack's been dead for years. Uh, Steve Ditko just passed recently. You know, these guys are gone now. I mean, can we let this go at this point? I, I, it's it's always driven me crazy all this controversy and, and 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 it really does feel to me like it's like you're trying to steal the guy's credit you know rather than than just go okay you know this is what he did and and celebrate that it's it's like they have to try to take things away from him and it just drives me crazy and so I was really hoping you know now he's gone he belongs to the ages just you know at this point give him his due and just you know let this controversy go and here he is you know just just a few days gone and right you know today there was an article that popped up this stupid article that i just read a little while ago and all it did was piss me right off the, the darker side of stan lee's legacy and as soon as i saw that headline i got i thought to my oh god here we go and i shouldn't have read it but i did and it's exactly what i've been fearing another one of these stupid stupid hit pieces about how you know stan didn't really do anything and took all the credit and i i hate these things it just makes me so angry and invariably it seems like when i read these damn things there's always one voice that comes up every single time and that's mark evanier now i like the guy as a writer and everything but what is this guy's beef with stan lee that's all he ever does is slag the guy because he was a, a kirby acolyte Okay, I get it. That's that's fine. You're you're a Kirby fan. You're a Kirby, you know, protege, whatever. But you know, why why do you have to bash Stan because you like? I mean, I I just don't get it. It really makes me nuts. And I wish the guy would just shut up at this point because it really makes me just kind of sick. But you know, comics, unfortunately, you know, they're they're rife with this sort of thing. That the same thing's been going on for years with poor Bob Kane. You know, everybody wants to try to make him out to be you know some some villain in the story you know and and take away what credit he had for you know the creation of batman and it's the same thing you know so well, I don't you know what you know what that one I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna disagree with you slightly on that because i don't think stan ever tried to take credit away from jack and and steve i think he was given credit and he just kind of went along for the ride uh but they always were credited for their work Bill Finger, for years, was just an unknown person. You know, he wasn't credited for anything. And he was a co-creator. He, didn't create, he was a co-creator. He, didn't, he, 
Uh, see, I I completely disagree with that. I subscribe to the Stanley you know, because Stanley gave a great interview in. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was that Steve Ditko um, documentary from from some years back. It was a BBC thing. I think it's called In Search of Steve Ditko, if I remember properly. Is that when he talked about how do you decide who created the yeah. writer or the artist? And I agree with that. And I agree. Kept, That's why I say co-creator. He kind of slipped, and, and his veneer fell for just a moment, and he, he kind of barked something out, and then he immediately regretted it. And he even said that. He goes, you know, I really wish I hadn't said that. And, you know, he said, I'm perfectly happy to give, you know, Steve whatever whatever he wants, whatever, you know, billing he wants or whatever. He said, but in my mind, the person that thinks up the idea, they are the creator. And, and I subscribe to that. You know, I, I think the person that dreams the idea up they are the creator and whoever else comes in and contributes ideas or draws the figure or whatever the thing is, then they are a collaborator. They're not a co-creator because it's already created. This person already thought this up and I don't know, maybe it's splitting hairs, but to me, I think it's a very important distinction. I think Stan is the creator of these concepts and of these characters and basically of this universe and these people that he worked with, whether it was Jack Kirby, whether it was Steve Ditko, whoever, Don Heck, they were his collaborators. And I see the, the Bob Kane situation much the same way. And people are always so quick to point out, well, if it, Kane had his way, you know, Batman would be in a red outfit with wings and a, and a domino mask. That's besides the point. He thought the concept up, and then it was fleshed out later in collaboration with other people. I think it's an important distinction. But anyway, I don't, I don't want to get onto a Bob Kane thing, but I, I just see the situation as very similar, and it irks me. I, I'm not a big fan of revisionist history, and I'm definitely not a fan of, you know, these guys contributed amazing legacies, and it seems like there's people out there that just have this agenda of wanting to, to chip away at, what rightfully belongs to them and this is stan's legacy you know he created a, an amazing thing and i don't understand this this need to minimize his contribution and, and give you know the the accolades to other people that I, I don't you know that i feel like are important in the collaboration process but they're you know it doesn't belong to them if you know what i mean i don't okay. know if that makes you know sense. and then i'm That's gonna i'm gonna, gonna... I don't think anything you're saying is really wrong. I'm going to say though, I'm you know it, it, it's it really it's starting to get into semantics a little bit. Uh, you know whether you you want to say the person who had the initial idea that's the creator. I, I can't tell you that's wrong, uh, but I would just say you know you, you start getting into to very very weird concepts there because you know they, you talk about like say for example the character of Deadpool who uh, was introduced as a very, very different character than what we know him to be today. So when was he created? Who created him? The character of Nightwing, who was Robin, and then he became Nightwing when he put on a new costume and changed his name. You know, did George Perez and Marv Wolfen uh, create him? Or, you know, is that back to Bob Kane and, and Bill Finger? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it, it, it definitely gets to be a little bit dicey as far as who created what when things change over the years but i would say as far as like the fantastic four goes uh i, I in my mind that's a dual creation because stan came up with the idea jack put it down on paper together they created the concept which became the fantastic four that we know so to me they're both creators of it and 
I say this with full wanting to give Stan credit as a, as a creator. You know, there's people who, who want to totally take it away from him, and that really bothers me. That irks me greatly. You know, I'm going to say Jack Kirby created everything. And I think a lot of that is inspired, you know, and I don't want to say anything negative about Jack Kirby, uh, but I think a lot of that is inspired financially. I think over time, when these characters became more and more valuable, I don't think Jack Kirby really cared. But then I think because... You know, his family, his family saw how much money was being made on these characters, and, and they said, hey, you know, he, cre- he helped create them, we want some more money from this. And I don't think that it's wrong that they didn't, you know, that they didn't deserve to be taken care of, but I do think it's financially motivated at that point. I don't think before finances came into, into play that Jack really cared who got credit for it. Yeah. I can buy that, you know, based on things that I've I've heard and read, I, I can I can totally see that. And I don't say that wanting to be, you know, blasting Jack Kirby for that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to take care of your family, and there's nothing wrong with feeling, hey, I had a big part in creating these characters. I want to get some credit for it. You know, I, I don't have any problem with any of that. So don't you know, nobody misread what I'm saying there. But ultimately. You know, nobody deserves more credit than Stan. Put it that way. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And and just you know, like I said, as the face of that company, what a, what an incredible job! I, I don't, I can't think of any company that's ever had a better spokesman. It's you know, people are saying it's going to be very very sad the next Marvel movie when it opens up, and you know, at the bottom at the first panel they or the first uh screen they show and it says you know in dedicated and loving memory to to stan lee that that the waterworks are going to go on for people and and i I, my first thought was nah and then i think about it and i start to get like little goosebumps and i start thinking yeah i'm probably gonna cry (laughs) (laughs) i remember they did that you know right after uh Gene Roddenberry passed away. You know the very mm-hmm. next Star Treks that were on both, you know, the the silver screen and the, you know on television, did that. And I remember getting you know seriously choked up about that. Now, what was Stan's first cameo appearance in a movie? The first one I'm aware he was on of. The TV movies. Yeah, he was in the Trial of the Incredible. Incredible. He was a juror. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. Right. That's the first one I remember. I don't know if that really is the first one, but that's the first one I can remember. Yeah, yeah I, I honestly I'll don't know. Now that the the as far uh, as films, I, I think I want to say it was the X Men. I believe. Yeah, the hot dog vendor. Yeah, when Senator Kelly beach. comes out of the water. Yeah, that may he now he didn't appear at all in uh, Blade. No, I don't think so. I'm I'm actually not sure. Right, it's been back. so long since I saw a blade that I can't tell you. I was okay. trying to remember because I know that he had recently had some big accolades, and that for some reason I was thinking that he may have won the um, the Medal of Freedom, but it was actually the National Medal of the Arts that he won. Um, he was presented that by uh, by President Bush back in 2008. I was just looking at that, but I was trying to remember because I, I remember him being a, awarded something by a president, and I, I actually had thought it had been Obama. But the, the thing on Facebook here is showing him with uh, with President Bush, and then relatively recently he was also named um, 
a uh, a Disney legend by Bob Iger. And I thought that was pretty that was pretty cool. That was really neat. And I think it was him and Stan at the same time. Or, I mean, you know, Jack rather at the same time, if I'm not mistaken. You know, Jack posthumously, of course. But mm. you think Jack Kirby's waiting for him at heaven so they can both go in together? Well, that's the thing too. Is I, <laughs> it's like they've been keeping me out till you got here, Stan. <laughs> what kept you? You know, this whole rivalry thing between them, I think, is is really over-exaggerated and overblown because somebody was sharing a picture. I saw it on Facebook today of those two at a convention in, I think it said, 89. And they're arm in arm and, you know, smiling and, and they look super chummy and everything. So, I don't, you know, I think a lot of this this rivalry and everything is is really overblown. And I remember listening to, it must have been a... I don't know, it was either a podcast or a TV show or something not long ago where Stan was on a on a talk show and Jack Kirby called in and they ended up having a great conversation just over the radio, just the two of them just shooting the breeze. I think it was just the opposite. I think Jack was on and Stan called in. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. I, I, it's been a long time since I heard it. In fact, I'm going to try and find it, and if I do find it, I'm going to put it after the closing of this show. But I think I think Stan called in and said something to the effect of, you know, Jack, I never wanted to steal any credit from you. You did this, and you did that, and I did this, and I did that, and the, the two of them were like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. You know, and, and it you was, know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I do. And and it, it, it really, you know, like when I heard it, it made me feel good. Because yeah. I thought, okay, there's nothing, you know, there's no... I, I didn't want it to turn into a, a William Shatner, James Doohan thing. Right. You know, and, and it, that that disturbs me sometimes when I hear that. Uh, so, X-Men, he first in uh, the Marvel movies uh, would be X-Men as the hot dog vendor. However, uh, 1989, he was in the trial of the Incredible Hulk. He was the jury foreman, so, and that says it's a TV movie. So, right. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Because that's the one with Daredevil. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, wait a minute. No, that's not the one with Thor. That was a different one. No, that was the return. return. That was the return, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before, Paul, but, you know, I, I have really... I, I'm not a fan of when it when it comes to comics and and a lot of you know these things that I've loved since I was a kid. I'm I'm not a big and, fan uh, of you know now looking behind the scenes and finding out how the sausage was made, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. I, I found that especially with the comic book world, that it's actually pretty pretty depressing to find out these stories and find out that the Marvel bullpen wasn't this big, happy, fun, you know, raucous thing that it was made out to be in the, in the letters columns and, you know, in, uh, in Stan soapbox and stuff like that, you know, the bullpen bulletin and all that. And, and it may, it makes me sad to find that stuff out, but you know, for, for anybody that's, that's really interested in this stuff or maybe has a, a negative view of, of Stan or has listened, you know, read one too many of these art, you know, these hit piece articles about him, I would say, you know, no, look no further than uh, Marvel the Untold Story, because I think that really shows uh, a very important side of Stan Lee that, you know, the, the story from that book that really sticks with me the most is how hard Stan took it when he was basically ordered to let everybody go. 
that I, I forget who gave him the order, but basically, you know, told him Martin Goodman. Yeah, that you you you've got to get rid of these people. And Stan didn't want to do it. These people had, you know, they were a huge part of his life. They were his personal friends. They'd been to his house. They knew his wife. And, you know, he knew their wives and their kids. And, you know, I mean, they were a family. And now he's put in this position where he felt like he had to betray them. You know, he had to stab them in the back. And that really weighed on him. And... So, you know, for all these, you know, people that want to say negative things and, and are, you know, Stanley detractors and everything, I mean, that to me doesn't sound like, you know, the, the Stanley that they're trying to paint, you know? Yeah, well, this, he, he would, to me, he seemed like he was always a very human person. I, and I that's thought one of the things I really a, liked about I thought that was a good version of the facts because you do hear the different ones and and I, I i took the same thing out of it that you did uh it sounded to me like stan took it hard but he didn't have a choice when when these things happened it wasn't like he decided hey we're gonna let this guy go he was told let this guy go or he was told you know the profits aren't high enough you have to cut back the uh staff by this many people or whatever uh you know and i i did get the impression that he fought for people's jobs when he could uh on the other hand, if you read, there's another book called Tales to Astonish uh, by Ronan something or other. I don't remember. I read it years ago. And that one, you you would read that and you'd think, oh, Stan was just a, a hack who took everything from Jack Kirby. And it seemed like such an incredibly one-sided version of the facts that it didn't feel like it could be true at all. Right. You know, whereas Marvel, the, the untold story... It doesn't feel like they're trying to sugarcoat anything there. They, I mean, they don't they don't present Stan as the conquering hero who got these people jobs, but they also don't present him as the, you know, the the, the villain who's maniacally rubbing his hands together and laughing as he takes credit from other people and right. and, and and takes their money from them. Uh, you know, the the the, the truth is got to be, you know, reality is somewhere in the middle. Stan Stan, I think, was a friend to these people, and I think he did do a. a you know, was a decent co-worker, but he was also the boss. And as the boss, he was told, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that by his bosses. So, you know, and, and I, like I said, I did get the impression that he fought for their jobs when he could, but he was also, you know, he had to, you know, you do have to look out for number one too. Right. Or number one as well, not number one too. So, you know, it, it, that those are both, those are both entertaining reads, but I took the book Tales to Astonish as being a little bit more in the fiction category because it just seems to sway so far to one direction. Um, right. Scott, is this the medal you think? Uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm looking at some trivia. It says he was awarded the 2008 American <laughs> National Medal of the Arts for yeah. services to comic books and production. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. I, I could just I, I could remember him being presented with a medal by a president, and normally when that happens, it's the it's usually the Medal of Freedom, right? I uh, don't they they sometimes do I think the Kennedy Center honors too. Yeah, yeah. But I, I could just I could remember that image because I remember I think I saw it on like the nightly news or something like that. Oh, I just geez. remembered the image, but I couldn't remember what the medal actually was, and in. Yeah, you're right. That's what it was. And he's the only yeah. actor to appear in every Marvel Cinematic Universe film. <laughs> That's cool. That's very cool. Uh, DC, I don't know if you guys had saw, DC put out a press release. Um, uh, no. Stan. Yeah, I can put a link in here if you want to read it later. 
um, or if you would like to read it now. And Dan DeDio has uh, some nice things to say. And, and remember, Stan went over and did a little work for them, too. Um, what was that, in the 2000s or the 90s? Stan Lee's Just Imagine, uh, the link's in the chat, where he, remember he recreated uh, with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Um, right. And uh, I think uh, Aquaman, and he actually, you know, he just reimagines the whole Justice League and then the, all the single books culminated into the Justice League. I think I have all of those. I might be missing one, not 100% sure. So, but, yeah, there are uh, a whole bunch of them. But Dan DiDio said, without Stan Lee's fertile and creative mind, endless energy and work ethic, comic books would have been completely different from what we know and enjoy today. Um, he helped to create worlds that were both fantastic and relatable at the same time, allowing more people to embrace superhero stories. We will be forever, we will be forever richer having him with us. So that was nice that DC, the distinguished competition, as Stan used to like to call them, um, gave, gave a shout out to him. Yeah, that's classy. That is, that's classy of them. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I've never thought it was an exaggeration when I've heard it said that, you know, without Stan and what he contributed to comics in the 60s, that comics probably wouldn't have made it out of the 60s. I, I don't think that's an exaggeration, really. I mean, because comics, you know, comics have had a tough road in, in the past 50-some years, and I think it was what he brought to comics with, you know, the new approach that he took with, you know, with Fantastic Four and, and what followed, you know, that made comics kind of grow up and, and become more than just, you know, tales for children. Nope, no, they're tales, know, for, tales for middle-aged men. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. how do you guys feel about that? I, I absolutely agree that either comic books would have just stopped or they would have just stayed for young children, much like you know, coloring books and things of that nature. Just, just been stagnant, you know. Stagnant, not, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I thank Stan for a lifetime of fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's really what it comes down to. That's, that's my feeling. Is not only am I thankful to him for what he did on a in his job, but I'm also thankful to him for being the person he was that made me feel like somehow I knew him and made him feel like he was part of my life and makes me mourn his loss. Absolutely. Well said. So I guess on that note, we're going to say a very somber good night and uh, rest in peace, Stan. Thank you. Enough said. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. 
Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. March along, march along, march along, do the song of the Merry Marble Marching Society. Okay, out there in Marvelland, face front, this is Stan Lee speaking. You've probably never heard a record like this before because no one would be nutty enough to make one with a bunch of offbeat artists, so anything is liable to happen. Hey, who made you a disc jockey, Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby, say a few words to the fans, Jackson. Okay, a few words. Look, pal, I'll take care of the humor around here. You, you've been using the same gags over and over for years. Well, you can't accuse me of being fickle, can you? By the way, Jack, the readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw her bald-headed. Boy, I'm glad we caught you and you were in a good mood. Oh, Stan, do you have a few minutes? For our fabulous gal Friday? Sure. Say hello to the fans, Flo Steinberg. Hello, fans. It's very nice to meet you. As Marvel's corresponding secretary, I feel as though I know most of you from your letters. By the way, Saul Brodsky wants to say a few words. Saul Brodsky? Who's he? Stan, the fans know you have a bad memory by all the mistakes you make, but this is ridiculous. He's been your associate for years. Really? We ought to start paying him one of these days. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. And how come I don't get my name plastered all over the mags like you do? Because I can't spell it, that's why. Well, as long as you've got a good reason. Hey, what's all that commotion out there, Sol? Why, it's shy Steve Ditko. He heard you making a record, and he's got Mike Fright. Whoops, there he goes. Out the window again? You know, I'm beginning to think he is Spider-Man. You mean he isn't? Who said that? Just that lovable old letter of me. It's adorable Addie Simic. What brought you here? The subway. Oh, well, ask a bonehead question, Flo. Stan, Sam Rosen is on the phone. How are the letter of my competitor? Just for fun, Artie, you talk to him. Hi, Sam. This is Artie. How's it going, pal? Just great, Artie. I sure admire your lettering. I admire yours too, Sam. I think you're tops. Thanks. Well, nice talking to you. The pleasure was all mine. I never could stand that guy. Well, that's our Artie. Just imagine what Sam is saying about him now. Well, let's see who else we can get on this record. How about Chick Stone? Okay. Hi, Chick. How's Tricks? Fine, Stan. I'm reading the latest story. It's great. What a thriller. Now, that's what we like to hear, Chick. Which one of our comics is it? Who's reading a comic? This is a novel about James Bond. I can't wait to finish it. Well, we're going to miss Chick around here. Oh, look who just came in. Kid Daredevil himself, Wally Wood. Is that a tape recorder, Flo? You know I'm afraid to talk into these machines. I can never think of anything to say. I'm not a big talker. I shut up like a clam. I get struck dumb. My mind goes blank. Okay, okay, okay. Forget it. Boy, I'd hate to hear you when you feel like talking. Stan, Dick Ears is on the phone. Let's surprise him. Hi, Dick. We have a recorder playing, and you're talking to millions of people right now. You're some kind of nut or something? I just want to tell you I want to raise. Dick, don't you understand? People are listening. You're talking to the whole world. I always knew you'd crack someday, Lee. Just my luck, it had to happen when I asked you for some more dough. Well, I'm going back to Sergeant Fury. Goodbye. Another phone call for you, Stan. Oh, not anymore. I'm getting an earache. 
But it's Don Heck. The idol of the Iron Man fans? The ace of the Avengers? Hi, Don. What's doing? Uh, Stan, I was just wondering, uh, wasn't I supposed to draw Iron Man last week? Sure. Why do you ask? So how come you mailed me a Patsy Walker script? Yike! Did I do that? That's awful. Oh, well, don't worry. I'll send it back to you. That's not why I'm worried. I must have sent your script to Al Hartley. I can just imagine Iron Man looking like Patsy Walker this issue. Okay, talk to you later, Don. Don't worry about it, Stan. Don't you remember that Al Hartley used to draw adventure strips? It may not be too bad. Well, well, look who's here. Stan G., our demon colorer. I've been meaning to talk to you, Stan. When are you going to remember it's the Hulk who has green skin, not Captain America? Gee whiz, the guy can't remember everything. Anyway, I had to tell you what MMMS meant last week, and you're the guy who made it up. But when I forget something, it's different. Yeah, it's worse. Stan, this is the most confused record I ever heard. Great, Sol. Just what we want. If it were anything else, it wouldn't be the nutty Marvel bullpen. Gosh, we don't have time for George Bell and Vince Coletta and Larry Lieber and Bob Powell and... That's great. Now, if we ever form another club, we'll have something new to offer. Voices that haven't been heard yet. Enough said, Sol. Now, let's all get back to work in the bullpen, and as for you, marvelous Merry Marchers, welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Okay, let them hear it, gang. Whoa! March along, march along, march along, if you growl, if you groan, and your star is merely zero, do not howl, do not moan, you can be a superhero marching quiet, shout along to the fighting stump of the man.